It's great to have all of you here for our Holy Spirit ministry service. And one of the great things that we get to do as part of the service, in addition to the worship, the prophetic ministry, the, the spirit ministry in the Holy Spirit with praying for people, we also get to hear about how God is changing lives through the evangelistic ministry of Kensington Temple. And everyone you see here on the platform right now are, are church members who've been trained and equipped by the church to go out and share the gospel of Jesus Christ with those in the surrounding areas. They go every week to uh, Shepherd's Bush, to Ladbrook Grove, and out here to Notting Hill Gate. And you can join them at any point in time. And also, just so you know, if you have a testimony, you've won someone to Christ, please come and let us know. We would love to be able to share the great things that God is doing in your workplaces and in your homes as well. doesn't mean necessarily that you have to get up here, but we would like to give the opportunity to share a testimony. Now, these fine people today have seen 10 responses to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. And so... We want to just take a moment to hear from a few of them some of the things that are happening. So who's going to be sharing today? I know Simon was going to say something. Karen, are you going to share about, yeah? Do you want to come and tell people? So how long have you been going out with the team, Karen? Uh, since April. Since April. And you were able to win someone to Christ today? Yeah, I was with the elder choir. And um, together we um, went to... Oh, do you, do you want to come and share it together? Okay. Okay. So you were working together as a team? Uh, the first guy, um, his name was Sam, and I just asked him, like, if he was going to, well, we always, like, um, first introduce ourselves and, like, you know, make people feel comfortable, and um, then, like, we, you know, share God's love with people, make sure that they know that Jesus loves them before we, you know, <laughs> um, like, preach, and... Um, then I asked him if he were to die um, today, was he sure that he would go to heaven? And he said um, that he wasn't, and it's something that he's worried about. So, Ildika, what were you doing while Karen was holding this conversation? Well, we basically we talk to the person in turns, like we work as a team. So it's not always one person talks, we, we both talk where we feel comfortable or where we feel that this is the right thing to say. Um, with Sam, he, um, he wanted to receive Christ right away. Actually, he, his bus came, and then I was just saying to him, oh, let's wait for the other bus. Um, so basically, he agreed, and um, he prayed with the salvation prayer. So you were just talking to him. You asked him that challenging question. If you were to die tonight, what would happen to you? And he said, I want to receive Jesus and prayed with you at the end of that time together. Is that correct? Well, sort of like we gave him a leaflet and then like um, he said, like, so what's like all of this about? And then we told him that Jesus died for him and, um, you know, you can have eternal life if he receives Christ. And he was just very open, you know, and he wanted it. He wanted it and you were able to pray together with him? Man, that's fantastic. Awesome. Let's praise the Lord for that. Thank you so much. Simon, do you want to share a little bit about what happened down in Shepherd's Bush? Yes. I think it's exciting to stand here because Christ hasn't died in vain. You know, winning souls bring joy to the Father's, to the, to the father's heart. And I think the, the drive we have is that really in going out winning because, you know, we bring uh, rejoicing and celebration to heaven. Uh, I want to talk about three people today. I mean, a number of people came in, but as a uh, member of the team, so all team efforts, team work, although I'm speaking, a lot of hard work's done together. Um, about this guy, uh, he's from Sudan. His name is Adam, and he lives in the area uh, where 
there are Muslims on one side and the other side Christians. And uh, he sees himself as he has no religion whatsoever and he has the influence of Islam and Christianity. So it happens to be quoting from everywhere. And I think we use that uh, being as a middle uh, between the Islam and Christianity, we use Christ as a mediator uh, between the Father and the sinners that he has come to reconcile uh, as to, to the Father. So re really clearly understood, and then he gave his heart to the Lord and became born again. That's fantastic. And so, awesome. And so you as part of the team were able to lead Adam and then four others as well to Christ. Five, actually, altogether. There were five. There was a young Muslim guy. Uh, and uh, also, um, there were others who were led by the teams, is that uh, there was a woman, she's coming. If Chloe is here, wave your hands. Chloe, is someone? Hello, Chloe. Bless you. She was about coming to Katie. She came once to Katie. Uh, but this time, she was going on her way to Katie. And one of her suggests, uh, as actually Yvonne, <laughs> um, was trying to testify to her about Jesus. And she told herself, well, this is not relevant for me. But she, she, she had, Yvonne uh, supplied her one of, her one of the flyers that we had. And then when she saw KT, she came back to her. She said she was willing to listen. And uh, Yvonne was asking her, say, are you born again? She said, no. And so she explained to her about the gospel and she gave her life to the Lord. And she's here now. Awesome. Fantastic. Chloe, you're very welcome here, Chloe. Hope you enjoy yourself while you're here. Um, and... As a, and a Pakistani origin, he gave his life through the uh, mission work in Sheffield Bush about four months ago. He, he came to UK to study MBA, and uh, he's financing himself. Now, he's encountering some difficulties, and he's asking your prayers, so if you can raise him before the Lord, really intercede for him. Thank you. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Simon. Excellent. Thank you so much for coming to share. It's great to hear from all of you. Let's welcome Bruce as he comes to minister right now. to see all these people getting saved on the streets. You know, nobody's too hard for the Lord. And the God of this age has blinded the mind of the unbeliever, but in intercession and faith, we have power to reverse the curse. Uh, I was preaching this morning at the 9 and 11 on 2020 spiritual vision. I'm talking about how the fact that to see Jesus and to see the gospel takes a miracle. You cannot see the kingdom of God unless you're first born again. And we looked at the uh, story, an account in John chapter 9 of the blind man who was blind from birth and he had a double blindness. He was physically blind from birth, but he was also spiritually blind from birth. And when Jesus met him, Jesus gave him his physical sight back for the first time. Well, not back, but gave him physical sight for the first time and gave him spiritual sight and that spiritual sight allowed him to see who Jesus really is and so Paul when he was called of God he was so spiritually blind he was on his way to Damascus to destroy the church but when Jesus met him knocked him off his horse he gave him instant spiritual sight and said I'm going to send you to the Gentiles so that you can open their eyes and turn them from the power of Satan 
to the power of God. So whenever we hear about people coming to Christ, what has actually happened is God has done a miracle on the inside of their lives and they can now see their eyes have been opened to the goodness of God. And so no one's too difficult for the Lord. We keep on believing, we keep on praying. God can turn a a blind man, spiritually blind man like the Apostle Paul around in a day. Don't ever give up. Don't ever stop witnessing. Don't ever stop praying uh, because God is on the move. And we believe that these salvations are going to increase and increase. Believe, believe, and I don't say this in some sort of like charismatic, but I believe that God is preparing this church for its harvest. And God's going to bring us that harvest. Not The people are getting saved, thank God, but I'm talking about a supernatural harvest. But he has to position us in the right spiritual place so that when we get that harvest, we don't lose that harvest, but we properly look after that harvest. I'm convinced a lot of what God's doing in your life, a lot of what God is doing in the church's life is positioning Kensington Temple for its harvest. Amen? Amen. Well, I'm going to be uh, speaking to you tonight on the promises of God. I think this is the last evening I'm going to be doing that, last Well, this will be the third week where I felt when I came back from my break that I should speak to you on the subject of people of the promise. And the the former sermons that I preached last week and the week before, of course, were all on our media page as as we put our services up there on kt.org. So if you haven't, if you've missed those or you want to see those, you can always go back to them. And what I've been really stating, and I wanted at least three weeks, so that this could really filter into people's spiritual life. Because what can happen is you can preach a sermon on a subject once, and then people receive something from it, but after a couple of weeks, it hasn't had time to really find place in their heart. And what I've been saying is that as Christians, we, more than anything else, are people of God's promises. I've been saying that many Christians in their Christian life do not live according to the promises of God. They live nice Christian lives, moral lives. They do good. They love the Lord. Um, They witness it when they can. They do all the things perhaps that a Christian is meant to do, but what's lacking is there's no promise over them. They're not believing God for the promise or for promises. They're just living a nice Christian life, praying to the Lord, worshipping to the Lord, doing their bit. But where is the promises in their lives? Because when you look at Abraham, who is the Old Testament model of the New Testament believer, Paul again and again goes back to to Abraham. He says in Romans chapter 4 that Abraham is the father of all who believe and that we who believe walk in the footsteps of Abraham. We've spent some time in uh, Galatians chapter 4 looking at the fact that we are as Isaac was. We are sons of the promise, it says in Galatians chapter 4, daughters of the promise. We are like Isaac of the promise. And so if we're to live our Christian lives, we have to live it like Abraham. He's the model. He's the model of faith. He's the model of, of walking in the promise. And Abraham had a promise. And Isaac had a promise. And Jacob had a promise. And so 
if we're to live our Christian lives, it's not enough that we try and live a moral Christian life. You read your Bible, you pray, you hope things happen. I'm sorry, that's not what it's about. That sounds more like a moral law. That sounds more like some sort of Christian morality on its own. But more than anything, we must be pursuers of the promise of God, like Abraham was. And Abraham's whole life was defined by a promise and the God who backed it up. God came to him and said to him that he would have a son and it would be a miracle son. He would have Isaac through Sarah. That one promise, along with the one command to go into the promised land, that one promise defined his whole Christian life, his whole faith life. He was sanctified according to the promise. When he, met, when he failed, it was because he failed to believe the promise. The promise made him into who he was, and when he believed the promise, he became everything that God wanted him to be, and when he withdrew or disbelieved the promise, that's where all his problems came. You see, in the Christian life, we say, do good, or do good, do what God tells you to do, be moral, do the things of God, and if you don't do them, then, uh, you know, you're bad. You're not doing the right thing. And we don't even talk about the promise. But Abraham's moral life, spiritual life, relationship with God was all centered on a promise. Everything that happened to him was according to the promise, good or bad. And so we saw that he had his Ishmael, didn't he? And when he had his Ishmael, that was because he didn't believe the promise. When he left the promised land to go to Egypt and had all those problems, said, take my wife, she's not my wife, she's my sister. What was the problem there? He failed to believe the promise of God. God would never allow someone to take Sarah from him. Why? Because God had promised that in Sarah would be his promised miracle son, Isaac. And so when Abraham sinned, it was according to the promise. In other words, it was his relationship with the promise. When he backed off from the promises of God, he backslid, he sinned. But when he triumphed, he triumphed because he believed the promise, lived according to the promise, and, uh, and was obedient to the promise over his life. So much so that at the, at the pinnacle of his spiritual maturity was when God said, take your son up on that mountain and sacrifice him. And by that time, Abraham, through the promise, had got so close to God and trusted God so much because of the promise that he said to himself, all right, you want me to take Isaac up and, and um, sacrifice him? Fine, I've got no problems with that. I've got no problems with that because you promised me that my seed would come through Isaac and he hasn't had any children yet. So I'll take him up and I'll sacrifice him if that's what you want me to do, God. And Hebrews chapter 11 tells us that Abraham said to himself, because you will just have to raise him from the dead if I kill him. Now that is an incredible faith. I've said and I'll say it again because I'm, I'm, I'm repeating myself on purpose these three weeks because I want it to get into your spirit. That's why Romans chapter 4 speaks about the God of Abraham. Abraham believed God. What type of God did Abraham believe God? He believed God that calls those things that are not as though they were. In other words, God said, in Isaac will be your seed. Even though tens of years passed before that happened, 
God called it, God promised it, and when, when God's promised it, it's done. When God says it, it's done, even if you can't see it. Well, he believed God who called those things that were not. She was not pregnant, but God called her into pregnancy. He believed God that calls those things that are not as though they were, that's the promise, and gives life to the dead. In other words, he said, God, you can do anything. Even death can't stop your promises. Many of the people in Hebrews chapter 11, they lived, in fact, all of the people, sorry, in Hebrews chapter 11, all of them had promises they lived by. And some of those promises came to pass in their lives, and some of those promises they died believing and were fulfilled in Christ. You know, I think about Paul. I was thinking about Paul and his believing in the promise. Acts chapter 27, verse 22. I just want to show you this. I mentioned it last week, but this is an amazing thing. Acts 27, verse 22. It looks like there's going to be a disaster on the ship. Paul is traveling to Rome. And it looks like it's all over, circumstantially speaking. And they've been tossed over the days and storms. They've thrown everything overboard. Let me start from verse 20, give you a feel of it. Acts 27, 20. Now, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest or storm beat on us, this is Luke speaking, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. Just remember, all hope that we would be finally saved was given up. They had got to the place in that situation where nobody had, I mean, it was over. But then, after a long abstinence from food, Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. And now I urge you to take heart. Here comes the courage, the courage of faith. For there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar, and indeed God who has granted, and indeed God has granted you all those who sail with you. Now listen, verse 25. Therefore take heart, men, for I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. I mean, some of you take out your marker pen or write that down in your prophecy book, that you, I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. And yet the circumstances while he was speaking was exactly, totally the opposite. But you see, what an incredible position of power that Paul was in. I mean, incredible. Why? Because God had promised him had given him a promise. All right, by an angel, by the Holy Spirit, uh, we've spoken about how God will speak to us. But he had a promise. And so that promise allowed him to deal with the situation that he faced. He knew it wasn't over. And it was like this. It was like Paul was saying to himself, you know, nothing can happen to me. Nothing can happen to me. I mean, I'm not going to be foolish and and throw myself out of the boat and see if I, God will rescue me. I'm not, I'm not going to what would be the arrogant, arrogance. I'm not, I'm not going to tempt God. 
You know, when, when Satan came to Jesus, he said, throw yourself off the temple. And the, and the scripture says that he will send angels to, so that not, not even your foot will touch the ground. And Jesus said, it is also written, you shall not test the Lord your God. So in other words, Jesus said, no, I'm, I don't play that business. This isn't a game. This isn't sorcery. This isn't, I'm not going to tempt God. I'm going to do what God tells me to do, but I know that God has given me promises. I don't have to prove to you or to anybody that God's word works. And so, Paul, but Paul, so he wasn't going to do anything silly like throw himself off a cliff and see if he'd still get to Rome. That would be arrogance and insult. But he knew that if he kept walking with the Lord, that nothing could happen to him. He would get to Rome. That was the promise. And if he believed the promise, if he mixed the promise with faith and with partnership of the Holy Spirit, nothing could stop him getting to Rome. Think about being in that situation. Think about you being on a boat. You haven't eaten for days. Everything's been thrown in. Nothing's there. Think about that. And God gives you a promise and say, don't worry, you'll make it to Rome. And not just that he says it, but you believe it. What if Paul did not believe this promise? What if he thought, oh, forget that. Haven't you seen the circumstances? Haven't you seen the storms? I just can't believe such a promise in the circumstances that I find myself. Well, God was calling that which was not as though it was. He was saying, Paul, you're going to be in Rome. But I'm not in Rome. You'll be there. It's as if you're already there in my sight. And he can give life to the dead. What? He could bring life to a storm of death. And so Paul was like, look, take courage. You see, when you start walking by the promises of God, you will not only get courage yourself, but you'll give courage to other people. Because what people are looking for today is men and women that believe God, just as he said it. People are looking for people, they're looking for a church and a group of Christian individuals who will be able to say this, take heart, people, for I believe God that it will be just as it told me. That's what we need in our cell groups, with our, cell, with, with our fellow cell members. We need someone who's going to say, don't worry, Bruce, we've got promises, and I believe it just as God has said to us. And we see this. Not only did he be able to order his own life, have faith and hope, he put courage in other people's lives. If you follow the destiny of God for your life and the promises of God, for you as an individual as he reveals them by the Spirit, for you as a member of a local church, and for you as a member of a nation, these different levels of God's promises and prophecies, if you believe them, and begin to live in the light of them, your life will be radically changed. You'll, you'll become a strong disciple, mature in faith. You won't just mature as a disciple by living a Christian life, doing things you're meant to do, doing the church program, even being a cell leader, going out and witnessing. All those things are wonderful, you hear me? But that's not the way. It's the promises of God, the promises of God's word, and also the promise that the Spirit speaks to you in a relationship with you. I mean, we will see that Paul will then, they, they get shipwrecked. Where do they end up? On an island. And what happens? They're round a fire. They've escaped the, the storm. And uh, Paul goes to get some wood. What happens? A snake comes and fasten its, fastens itself on him. A poisonous snake. And everybody says, ah, that man was cursed. Uh, that's over. And they're all sitting there waiting. One, two, 
three, the poison should be setting in. Any second now, he's going to fall. And, and so they're looking circumstantially again. What does Paul do? Shakes it off, makes the fire. Why? Because he had a promise. It wasn't just he was a mighty man of God and shook it off. He shook it off because God had told him he was going to make it to Rome. He had a promise. And so all the way to Rome, Paul had indestructible faith and hope with God because of the promise of God. Wouldn't you like some promises like that in your life? Well, God will give us promises as individuals. And I spoke over the last two weeks about how you hear God, how you go to how God speaks to you. This isn't something we make up. We don't go to God and say, I want to be this, give me a promise. God speaks to us if we're open in our hearts, open to the word, open to God, seeking first the kingdom of God, then he begins to give us precious promises. He begins to give us what I call sticky words, you know what I'm saying? Something from, from the Bible you're reading and suddenly it sticks, what God is speaking to you through it. It's a promise. I've said that God gives us promises for many things. God can, give, can even by his spirit give you a promise for the day. He can give you a promise for a meeting, promise for an interview, promise in business. He can give you a promise in your family. He can give you a promise that will take you through the day. He can give you a promise for a week. He can give a promise that will take you through a month. He can give you a promise that will take you through a year. He can give you a promise that will, that, will, that will be years and years ahead that you're working to. How many decades did it take for Abraham to hold Isaac in his hand? But that promise, whether it's for the next hour or whether it's for the next decade, God expects us to live and relate to him according to the promise. According to the promise of his word for our life generally, the general promises of God, but also according to God's spirit and the way that God will speak to us. I said that I have a prophecy book, a little book. I have, I've got it in my bag. I brought it out last night. And when God speaks a word, I put it in. Because as I was studying the life of Abraham and talking about Abraham's life was totally revolved around the promise, but not just the promise, really the God of the promise. You see, if you believe in the promise, what you're actually doing is beginning to believe in the character of the one that promises. Do you hear what I'm saying? So if I was to come to you and promise you a certain amount of money and say, I'll give it to you by next Friday, you have a promise that you're going to receive £100. And you've got that promise, and you're looking forward to receiving that promise. But actually, that promise is only as good as the person that made it, correct? Correct. You know people that are good for their promise. Someone will give you a promise, and you know that they're good for that promise. Why? Because of their character and your relationship with them. But you know others that if they give you a promise, you sort of shrug your shoulders and you say, well, we'll see. I won't, I won't bank on it. So when we speak about God's promise, it's not some mechanical thing. Actually, his promise is, is, is who he is. God's promises flow out of his character and are worked out by faith and partnership with the Holy Spirit. In Genesis 15, 6, those, what, that wonderful verse that Paul quotes in the New Testament, it says, And Abraham believed in the Lord, and it was credited to him as righteousness. What does that mean? Well, it means many things, but in the context of what we're speaking about tonight, it means this. God says, I promise you, Abraham, I have a land for you. And I promise you, you will have your own child 
by Sarah named Isaac. I promise you that. Now, the promise is there. And how, the question is, how is Abraham going to react? And it says that simple, those simple words, Abraham believed God. He believed him. He says, I, I trust you. I trust you. I take you at your word. And God says, it's reckoned to you as righteous. Because you believed my promise, we're now in relationship. You see? If Abraham had said, I don't believe you, what would have happened? It wouldn't have. You see, his whole relationship with God began with a promise. Yours did too. The promise of the gospel. Here's a promise that if anyone believes that God so loves the world that he sent his only son to die, and anybody who believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's a promise. If you believe in that, that Jesus died for you, carried your sin on the cross, and rose again, and that if you believe that, your sins are forgiven you, you are saved, you will go to heaven. See, that's a promise, isn't it? It's the promise of the gospel. And one day, maybe there's some who need to make that decision today, one day you said, you know what, I believe you. I believe the promise of the gospel. I believe I'm saved. And then the promise began to work God's will in your lives. 1 John chapter 5, verse 10, following 1 John 5, 10. He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given us his Son. 1 John 5, 10. Look at how this is talking about the promise, but also whether we call God true or a liar. He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. That's the Holy Spirit. He who does not believe God has made him a liar because he's not believed the testimony of God. So what, what is this talking about? It's like, if you believe God, do you believe him? Do you take him at his word? Is he able to perform what he's promised? Is he good for it? Is he trustworthy? Or is he a liar? And so straight away, when we come to the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, immediately we are confronted with trust issues. Is God to be trusted or is God not to be trusted? And there's, it's black and white. It's, it's this or that. It's not both and. It's like, is God to be trusted or is he not? Romans chapter 3 verse 4. Let God be true but every man a liar. Do you know how hard it would be for you to believe God if every man was a liar? I mean, if you were the only one that believed the word of God, the only one to believe that Jesus was raised from the dead, the only one on planet Earth, and everybody else thought you were crazy, everybody else thought that it was, it was fiction, you were the only believer on the Earth. Can you imagine the tremendous pressure not to believe God? That how can the whole world be wrong? But Paul says, let God be true, but every man a liar. So in other words, the, the integrity of God is what's at issue when we talk about walking in the promises of God. Hebrews chapter 6 tells us that it is, in, it is impossible for God to lie. Let's just go to Hebrews, because Hebrews is a very important 
letter when it comes to the promises of God. I've already referred to Hebrews chapter 11, which is the faith hall of fame of all the people that were recorded as heroes of those that had faith in God's promise for their lives. And in Hebrews chapter 6, and the problem in Hebrews is this, that the, the people of Hebrews, the Christians of Hebrews, are backing off from God. Because things aren't happening as they expected them to happen. And they're thinking of going back to the old life, and Paul is saying, don't do it. Don't be like the people in the wilderness that didn't believe the promise of God. But trust God, and he'll come through for you. Hebrews chapter 6, let's start from 11. And we desire that each one of you show to the same diligence, to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish. And here it comes. But imitate those who through faith and patience, say faith and patience. Imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So there is everything I've been telling you. Paul says, don't backslide. If Paul wrote Hebrews, he or one of his disciples did. Don't, don't backslide. Imitate. Imitate. Be like the men and women that through faith and patience inherited the promises. For when God made a promise to Abraham, verse 13, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself saying, Surely, blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men indeed swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is for them an end of all dispute. Thus God determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise, the immutability, which means it can't change, the unchangeability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath but that by two immutable or unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hope of the set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of our soul, both sure and steadfast, which enters the presence behind the veil where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus having become a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. This is so rich about living the promise. We see that God is not a liar, that he can be trusted. And this is what gives us strength, believing the promise in partnership of the Holy Spirit. And Paul says, and you know what? You can, have, you can believe that God will come through for you in the promises. Why? Well, there's a threefold conviction that comes to those that want to live by the promise threefold. First, the first assurance that God will do what he's promised to do is God's word. Just God's word. If God says it, that settles it. Trust in God's word. He said it. He doesn't lie. The second is the assurance of the spirit. And this is very, very important. Partnership with the Holy Spirit in the promises of God is absolutely essential. Because it's the Holy Spirit. When you believe the promise that if you trust in the Savior, that Jesus died and rose again, you will be saved. When you believed in it, what happened was the Holy Spirit came into your heart and brought assurance. Do you remember that? 
God poured out the Holy Spirit in your heart. And the Holy Spirit in your heart cried out, didn't he? He cried out, Abba, Father. Romans 8 says that the Holy Spirit testifies to our spirit that we are sons of God. You hear? So the Holy Spirit's work in our lives is to come and bring affirmation to the promise. To come into our hearts and affirm and to speak and basically to say the amen. All of God's promises are what? Yes and amen in Christ Jesus. And the amen, if you look in the Greek at that verse, all of God's promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. The amen that we speak is the Holy Spirit inside. It's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You have the word of God. You have the work of the Spirit. And you have the covenant of blood. The father would rather let his son die on the cross than fail his promise to his people. And he did. And so not only have you got the word of God, he will not lie. Not only have you the working of the spirit that comes to bring the word to you, to give you assurance, to personalize, to give you those sticky words I spoke about, to give you the, those words, to break up the word and make it living and active in your life, a promise activated in your life. Not only do you have the word, the spirit, but you also have the blood. And the blood seals the deal. And this is what it says here in verse 20, having Jesus as our high priest. It means this, Jesus' blood has been accepted. There's covenant behind the promises. And Jesus is now living more, living evermore to intercede for us in our lives that the promises of God would come to pass. You know, in the Battle of Waterloo, when we defeated the French, it was a turning point in the 1800s. Uh, it wasn't just the British that defeated them. In fact, we couldn't have done it without partnership. General Blucher of the Prussians, the Germans, had promised Wellington that if he should stand on the high ground of Waterloo against the French, he said, I give you my promise, we will be there, we will come to your aid. Well, Wellington trusted the promise of this great German general, even though a day or so beforehand, Blucher had waited for um, Wellington to come to his aid. Wellington hadn't given a promise, he'd said, if we can make it, we will be there. And so Blucher and his army was smashed to pieces by the French, hoping that Wellington would come. But Wellington couldn't come because he was engaged elsewhere. He hadn't promised. He just couldn't come. And so the, Prussian, the Prussians were saying, well, why would we, why do we do that? We can't trust him. And the next day when they tried to march to Wellington's assistance at the battle, the officer said, it's impossible. We, we can't do it. We should give up. We should go back where we're safe. Uh, we don't have half our army with us. We should go back to Prussia. And Blucher said, it must be done. I have promised to be there. Promise, do you hear? And he made it come. Why? That is a man keeping his promise. Excuse me. Excuse me. That is a man keeping his promise. And then there was Wellington believing in that promise. There was a trust issue. And then right at the last moment, thank God, the Prussian, well, if you're, not if you're French here today, but from a British perspective, he was true to his promise. If we can say how amazing the promises of men, how about the promises of God in our lives? 
2 Peter chapter 1 verse 4, whereby we are given, given to us, sorry, 2 Peter 1 verse 4, where, whereby are given to us exceeding great and precious promises. Think about that. Given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. What are the nature of the promises of God in Scripture? The promises of God over our lives. And you know, if you look at your life, God has given you promises. Yes? The prophecies over your life that you've tried and tested. Things that have come from the Word and God said, I'm breaking that as bread for you. It's my personal word to you. Things that you've got in prayer. We've, got, we've spoken about how God can speak his promises to us. If you've missed the last two, watch them on the internet and you'll go through that. God speaks today. God is the God of today. God is a God of purpose. You're not just to live the Christian life aimlessly, following a Christian code. But you're on a journey, a journey. And God wants to take you on that journey. And the way that he will take you on that journey is by giving you promises. Without promises of God, you have no direction. You're just, you're just wafting along, hoping it's all going to turn right. That's not the Christian life. We have been given exceeding great and precious promises. These are great promises. In other words, they're great in magnitude. When God gives you a promise or promise comes over your life in all its form, forms, they're great promises. Why are they great promises? Because they can't be done without faith and the Holy Spirit. If you get a promise from God that you can do yourself, it's probably not from God. I mean, you know, if God had said, Abraham, I will give you a slave girl called Hagar and you shall have Ishmael. It's not a promise, is it? Why? Because it's not divine. God only promises what only he can deliver. So if you think is it's from God, you have to say to yourself, is it God, can only God deliver it? And this can mean many things, not just things that come into your life, but what does God want you to become? Sometimes the greatest promises of God is how he wants us to develop. And you look at an area of your life, will this ever change? And God gives you a promise. Uh, God shows you who he wants you to become and how he wants you to be. And you look at that and you think, that will never happen. I can never become that. There's too much. It's impossible. <laughs> yes, that's right. It's God. Because what's impossible with men is possible with God. Sometimes the greatest promises are not about what's going to happen here or what's going to happen there, but what's going to happen in your heart. I shared with you, I think, in the first of this series about New Year's Eve 2000 when we had the big tabernacle event and um, it was an all-nighter and we were going to have breakfast in the morning and it was uh, past midnight and I was tired and I thought, I'll just go to the restroom and just wash my face, freshen up for the rest of the night. And as I was there, I was washing my face and as I looked up, I caught my own eye in the mirror and a spiritual transaction took place. And in my heart, I saw myself, not my physical, but I saw a vision in my heart. As I, as I caught my own gaze in the mirror, I began to see myself change. And I began to see a Bruce that God wanted me to be, be, become. And I saw myself, and I was fear-free. 
I mean, I looked into my own eyes in this vision, and I was fear-free. I had no fear of anything because of God. No fear of anything. I, I was a bit like, I guess, Paul was when he'd had that promise. And I had joy and a buoyancy and a bubble and, and everything about me. I can't explain it too much because it was a spiritual vision. Everything about me was everything I wanted to become. It was me that God, it was the me that God had created me to be. And I looked at this and I thought, I'm nothing like this. But you know what? That was a way that God was giving me a promise. He was saying, that's what I want you to become. And I promise you, if you walk with me and believe in me, you can become this. That's the way that promise came to me. You see what I'm saying? What a great promise. That's a big promise for me to believe, by the way. That's a big, because you, you have to, you look at yourself and you have your insecurities, yes? And you have your, you fail in this area and that area. And you think, will I ever become that person? And what do you need? You've got to believe that God showed me then what I would become. In other words, God called those things that are not as though they were when he showed me that man who was me in, the, in, in this. He, he said, this is who you are. I thought, I'm not that. Yeah, he were calling those things that are not as though they were. And then I have to go away and believe in the God that can, can raise that out of a life like mine and bring me to that place. Sometimes the promises of God, the greatest promises, are what goes on inside you and how you change. It's incredible how sometimes Christians just do not change. Give up on change. Give up on renewal. Give up on maturity. They just say, well, here I am. That's as far as I'm going to get. I tried a few times. I, you need a promise from God. You need to go to the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, help me. Show me what you want me to be. Show me the promise. Show me. He might not do it in a vision in the mirror. He'll do it his way, just right for you. And it's a, it's a great promise. A great promise. Because only God can do it. It's great. Allow God to speak greatness into your heart, greatness into your life. Not just going away hoping that God's going to give you a top-up, hoping, you know, just keep you going, or a little bit better, hopefully next year, or this, that. That's not the promise of God. You've got, you got to get to God and say, God, Holy Spirit. You see, we talk about being charismatics and Pentecostals, but the Holy Spirit is here to give us promise. He's the spirit of prophecy. And well, we're going around and I'm up for it. Falling under the power, rolling under the power, speaking in tongues, all these sort of things. Wonderful. But the Holy Spirit is the spirit of promise. He speaks to us more than all the manifestations, as glorious as they are, life-changing manifestations, more than all these things. He is the Holy Spirit, our senior partner in life. Well, if you have a partner in business, don't you have goals and aims and purposes? Or you just, oh well, see it's, open up a shop, see what happens. God is a God of purpose. A God of plans. He is a God. And he reveals those things through his Holy Spirit. Given exceedingly great promises. But also not just great. Great and precious promises. Precious. I mean, if I was to get out my little book where I put everything where I know God has spoken to me over the years, over my life as a child, right through the bits here and there. God can speak into your life before you're even saved. You know that by experience. Those things that I know, those things that I know, if I don't know if they're from the Lord, 
Well, they're on a shelf there waiting until I know. But those things I know. Those, that, that little book of scriptures, prophecies, pictures, I've even written about that mirror in there, you know. It's all there. They're jigsaw pieces. And each time the Holy Spirit gives me another jigsaw piece, another promise, it's part of the picture, the whole picture of God for my life. And some of those promises in there have been fulfilled and I've like ticked them off and I can be encouraged. God promised me that way back then and it came to pass. Others are promises I'm living right now. I mean, right now, I'm going through a situation, this, that, and the other, nothing massive, but it's, I'm working it by the promise. God has spoken to me, he's given me a scripture and I'm working that scripture in partnership with the Holy Spirit. And sometimes it's difficult because you've got this scripture God has given you for this thing but of course, he's given you the scripture. The thing is the opposite way. And, and the temptation is to do it according to the flesh. Do you remember when I spoke about the difference in character between Isaac and Ishmael? And the temptation for Isaac to do it Ishmael's way. Jacob did it. Jacob did it Esau's way, Ishmael's way. Jacob was told, you'll have, Jacob, you've got the promise that you will have the inheritance. But then when he put all that fur on his hands, he dressed himself as Esau. He tried to obtain the promise of God through the flesh. He, he put on the clothing of Esau, the clothing of Ishmael, and lied to his dad, deceived his dad, got the blessing. But look at the pain that went through those following years with Laban. You see? What he did is he didn't just hold on to the promise and take it back to God. See what I'm saying? He's working the promise with the Holy Spirit. And these promises, they're not just, oh, here's a lovely prophecy book with lovely prophecies in it. No, <laughs> these are tools. Without the promises of God, how are you going to get through? And so here I have got a promise in a circumstance. And I'm working the promise. And sometimes I'm fainting from the promise. But the Holy Spirit has encouraged me back to the promise. And I'm believing the promise and praying the promise. And as I'm doing that, what's happening is... My relationship with God is growing or fading or growing. Trust me, trust me. And the circumstances and the promise is allowing me to have a living relationship with God. Not just throwing up, get up, you know, live your life just, oh, God do this, God do that, God do the other, help me, Lord. Da, 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 da. No, 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 not just general prayer. Oh, help me do this, do that, wouldn't it be nice? No, promises, promises. Promises. You take the general promises of God, but more than that, you're open to the Holy Spirit. You're waiting on the Lord for God to begin to give you words and promises and pictures for various things. And I don't know how he'll do that or when he'll do that or if he'll do that. Sometimes he doesn't give you a promise at all. He just says, trust me. That's the promise. Trust me. It, it, it's a relationship. But you're, you're looking for the promise and God is going to give you the promise and then you're going to live by the promise and you will grow by the promise because these promises, those promises in my book, I've made a photocopy of them, by the way. I'm not going to lose that book. I got there before the devil has. <laughs> Thought, devil steal my prophecy book. He'd love to do that. I've made a number of photocopies and placed them in various places. <laughs> Amen. We are not, we are not, we are aware of the devil's schemes. And, uh, but that book, the, the, not the book, but the, they're precious. It's my life in there. It's my past life. It's my present life. 
It's my working life. It's my living life. There's promises there. I could take it to you. I wouldn't. It's too personal. I could take you through it and you'd see everything I was, everything I am, and everything I'm going to become. You see what I'm working on with the Lord right now, how I'm growing, and it's there in the promises and the words, the Holy Spirit, these sticky words that aren't just They've stuck to me and they will be with me until I've done the job. Exceedingly great and precious promises. And on this I finish. It was just something I read by Charles Spurgeon. I just loved it. And I thought I'd share it with you. In Genesis chapter 23 verse 13, speaking about Jacob, and I've already mentioned how Jacob had the promise of God, but he tried to get it through human means. He was a tricky one. His, his name was Twister or Wrestler, Jacob. And uh, he had, he, God had to... See, every time you live by the promises of God, there is a journey of maturing. I've already spoke about Abraham. Isaac was very mature from the beginning because every evening he was out in the fields taking the promise to God. He, he wasn't afraid or, or worried when, they, when every time he opened a well, someone stole it from him. He just said, I trust God. If he'd been Ishmael, he would have beaten them all up. But Isaac said, I don't need to war according to the flesh. I'll just take this to the Father because it's the promise that means something. But Jacob, Jacob had the promise, but he wasn't living according to the promise and tried to snatch at the promise and make the promise happen in his own way. But God got to him. God, got, God had to make him walk with a limp. God had to do that so that all his life he'd remain. I've got to lean on the Lord. But anyway, Genesis 23, verse 13. And uh, let me just actually read the context of that, and then, then we'll come to a close and have some ministry. Genesis 23. Oh, no, that's not Genesis 23. I've got the wrong. Excuse me a second. Is it Genesis Now I've lost my passage. It was when he was asleep at night. Is it? Okay, I've... All right, well, I can't find it. 2813. 28, 30, 30, sorry, 2815. Thank you. Sorry about that. 28, no, not 2815. No, it's not that, okay. Um, I'm not going to, it's not that. It's, um, all right. The scripture is, if someone can find it, I am the Lord your God of Abraham, your father, and the God of, of Isaac. The land on which you lie. Oh yes, thank you. Sorry, apologies. We got there. 28.13. I, I, let's just blame the devil for that one. Can we? Can we just blame the devil? Devil, you're a liar. In other words, you know. Yeah. Okay, so thank you. Thank you for you. I just couldn't see it. So well, let's, let's, let's go from verse 11. So Jacob came to a certain place and stayed there all night. 
because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of the place and put it at his head, and he lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on earth, and its top reached to heaven, and there were angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of, your, of Abraham, your father, and God of Isaac. The land on which you, you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. And Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher of the 18, late 1800s, he says, isn't that amazing that Jacob, who had wrestled all his life to get the promise, he got the promise and the assurance while he was at rest. Not while he was struggling, not while he was playing games with his mother, not while he was trying to, to do this, that, and the other. But there he was, he was at rest. And God says, I will give, it, I will give you the land on which you lie. And Spurgeon says, there's something about resting in the promises of God. And this is, on I say close. And Spurgeon says, sometimes, he said, the promises of God, when everything's going on, he says, I just go on my couch and I just lie down on the promises of God like Jacob did. And I let the promises of God just take my full weight and full load, and I rest. And I like that because it spoke to me, and I thought, how wonderful. You're working the promises, you're believing the promises, but sometimes, you know what? You can just rest on the promises. You can just say to yourself, in the end, it's you, Lord. And the promises can take the full burden of your life and hold you up. Let's pray together. Lord, we want to walk as disciples, and that means that we have to walk by the promises of God. We open our spirits to you and our hearts to you. We need the promise and we need the spirit and we need to mix it with faith. Holy Spirit, you are senior partner. You're the one that opens the scriptures to us, makes the promises real to us. You're the one that in such wonderful and various ways can get God's will and word through to us. Lord, as we open ourselves, we, we, we want to make a record of the things you've spoken to us in times past. And I ask you in prayer to activate things that have been spoken to you. Some of you, God has spoken to you in times past. And those things he's spoken to you have just been put upon the shelf and forgotten until this night. The Holy Spirit is saying those promises were given to you not just for fun. Some of you, I believe, I can see some of you have been to conferences. And at conferences, you've had personal words. And at those conferences, you've had that personal word. And it's been like, oh, wonderful, what a great promise. I got a personal word as if that was it. But the Holy Spirit is saying, no, that word is to work in your life. That promise is to be brought back to the throne of grace. That promise is to be, is to be believed. Others of you have had prayer spoken over you. you. You know that God has spoken promises in your life. But again, you're not really living by those promises. They're just there. I mentioned promises today, and now some of you are thinking of them. But will you think about them tomorrow, let alone put them in a book and start to take them? Some of us, God has stopped speaking promises too because we're not taking any notice of them. But if we open ourselves tonight to God and his promises, 
Now the Holy Spirit can speak some of those things. And some of you in the coming days, and I know already in the last few weeks, some of you, by testimony, some of you, God has been speaking to you. Why? Because you're going to get a promise and you're going to know what to do with it now. You're not just going to have the goosebumps of a word from God. Charismatic church loves a word from God. And sometimes they just get prophesied according to their heart. And that's a judgment. But God is speaking to those that really want to hear his word. That want to have the renewal of the mind. Lord, don't speak to us promises according to our own selfish things. But Lord, really come through with the spirit. Help us have discernment. Release the gift of discernment. That's what you need. I, in the name of Jesus, release the working of the gift of discernment in your life. Add to it a renewal of the mind. Add to it a renewal of the mind. Get into the word. Get the crazy stuff out of your mind. Because if you've got crazy stuff, and self-centered stuff, fleshly stuff, how are you going to discern between the Lord and your crazy stuff? But humble yourself before God. Go to him and say, Lord, just speak to me. Speak to me, Lord. Help me. Help me in my hearing, Holy Spirit. I know that I might hear wrong, so I'm just trusting you, Holy Spirit, that you'll work it through, that you can give me a promise I can rely on. And you know what? If you come to him like that, he'll, he'll come through for you. You don't have to be. He'll come through. The gift of discernment comes to you. That you might discern the speaking of the Lord in these times. That you might discern the discerning of spirits, the discerning between the human spirit and imagination, demonic spirits and God's spirit. Lord, you say that if we uh, seek earnestly the gifts, you'll give them to us. And tonight, we're seeking earnestly, very earnestly, the gift of discerning of spirits. And the reason being that we might hear accurately your word in our lives. Bring us those sticky words, those words that burn in our hearts, those words that aren't, aren't silly words, but are spirit words that go to the core of our being and resonate. We go, oh my goodness, God is speaking. Might not understand what you're saying, but we know you're speaking and we'll meditate on your promises. We'll bring them to the throne. God, give people words for this week. Things that you're facing this week, some of you. I believe God wants to give you a word. We might have some of them in a few minutes. Can I have the ministry team ready to, to, to prophesy according to the flow that I'm in? You hear what I'm saying? To prophesy according to the flow that I'm in. God may give you a word for this week. So we're looking for words for this week. But I won't limit the spirit there. Words, promises are going to come maybe from the prophecy here maybe other prophecies in the past have come to light the word of God God's going to speak He's going to give you and you know what just one word can get you through it's not about an abundance of words I spent six months ill out of this church you remember some of you I had one word from God he gave it to me before those six, six months. I didn't even understand it. God gave me a word. How did he give it to you? I was walking along and suddenly I just had this word, renaissance. I thought, renaissance? What? I couldn't shake it. Renaissance. Couldn't shake it. Renaissance. I thought, God must be speaking. I thought, what's he like? I can't see what. 
renaissance, rebirth, isn't it? Rebirth. Rebirth, a renaissance. I don't need a renaissance. I don't need a rebirth. I'm already born again. Bang! Out for six months. I wasn't reading my Bible much during that six months. I was out for the count physically. I was on medication. But I had one word from God. One word. And in the darkness of that time, the one word that kept me going was renaissance. I'm thinking something's going to happen. This isn't the end of my health, my situation, there's going to be a rebirth. And I held on to that one word, not even in the scriptures. Do you know what? Came to pass. And I was reborn, and I'm still living in that renaissance today. It's a testimony for you. One word from God. One word from the Spirit. Let's just open our hearts right now. God's going to speak to you. God is speaking. We're going to hear from... uh, prophetic ministry at the platform but don't don't, listen to that but also some of you tune in right now tune in right now to what God is saying to you don't spectate participate come right forward everyone who's first nice and loud I see a picture of a woman groaning unto the Lord and um, she kept on saying, Lord, how long is it going to be? How long, how long, hear my prayer? How long am I going to be alone? How long are you going to answer me? On the outside, when you come out, when people see you, they think everything is okay. But internally, you are groaning unto the Lord and you are crying inside your room to the Lord. That Lord, answer me, how long is it going to be? God is saying today, that I am the Lord your God and I'm here to teach you to trust me. Now you should shift your focus from the circumstances and the situation and you'll put your focus onto the Lord who is able to meet your need. He said, I will do it for you, but in my own time, on my own terms. intimacy but the situation or the picture I saw was of a person or a group of people where you're yearning intimacy however you've been crying out and it specifically says help me to find you you know and you're saying Lord help me find a way and I believe it's maybe a lifestyle that's entangled but you really want to see you really want to yearn intimacy with God but you're entangled in a lifestyle and the Lord is saying he would do it but you don't need to be on your own because your people are out of shame. You're doing it on your own. But you need to come for free and you need to seek help so that you're not fighting on your own. I believe that God is saying to some of us that um, we believe what we see with our natural eyes. But as believers, what we know, what God says. And he's asking us, when we know the, our Lord, that's when we are going to be strong. But I also have a specific word as I was just coming up. I think somebody with a shoulder pain on your left, God, I believe, wants to heal it tonight. Thank you. Excellent. I had a picture of um, a, basically a broken leg. Um, and it wasn't in the physical, it was more in the spiritual. And it was saying that somebody had undergone a break, that they were, they were in a broken state. Um, and the word is for that person is that, that God has done a work in you and he's actually repaired it. But you're too scared to put your full weight on it. So it's like an, if an athlete breaks their leg, 
then their, their leg is actually weaker and they're not able to put their full weight on it before the pain. But actually, God has completed his work. You need to trust him and you need to put your full weight on it again. for some women here that have uh, challenges with ovaries, ovary problems, um, related issues in that area. I'll pray for you. Yeah, we'll be doing that in a few moments. Anyone else? Step out, step out. If you've got a half word, give it. Yeah. When we were praying, I had Psalm 84. Um, it says, um, blessed are those who dwell in the house. And it was also saying that they will go from strength to strength, even um, even as you're going through the valley of Baca, which my friend said is the valley of weeping. Okay. Okay. I uh, I see there's, there's there's somebody this summer, and your education that's going that should be taking place this autumn is not yet sorted out. And you're looking at this option and you're looking at that option and you're thinking, where am I going to end up this autumn? And the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and he's saying that he's going to give you a strong witness this week to a particular place because you've been looking at things and you're thinking, so again, keep your options wide this week, whatever those options are. But go to them again. Go to them this time and say, Lord, help me. Read the literature, look at the situation, get it up on the internet, whatever way, and do it diligently. And as you do that, the process this week, you will get a peace in your spirit. You will get a knowledge in your heart. And you'll say, this is the place that I should go for, for this autumn. This is the place I should really put this top of the list. Is there anybody that witnesses to here today? Yeah, okay. Good, good. Let's let's just wait on the Lord and then we're going to open the, the front up for ministry and we can pray through these things with you um, oh, uh, 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 and, and everything. Lord. I see a person here and your, your mother's suffering illness it's not just illness it's could be life at least life debilitating illness in other words she will be like just won't be even to, able to look after herself or even the sort of thing that could lead to death it's your mother and i believe the holy spirit is saying that this sickness is not unto death and it's not unto what was the word deliberate uh, debilitation and so there's a situation where you think oh my, she might be housebound she might be this she might not be or she might even die and God is speaking to you a promise tonight and saying this is not this sickness is not unto death number one and number two it's not unto debilitation is there anybody there that is going through a situation here yeah or may, and also and, and it's not yeah and it's and, and you take that word it's a promise to you on the internet and sometimes God speaks to a number of people the same the same promise if anybody gets a promise just come up to me and let me know okay just come and stand by me just in these precious times yeah. Yeah, just
just that there's a sense here that um, somebody has received a word from the Lord in their own quiet time, in their own devotional time, and they're doubting it. And God's saying, I'm not lying to you. It is true. What I have said to you is true. Believe me. Believe me. Believe me. And I will see you through. He's spoken to you. You're doubting it. And you're, you're just saying, no, that's not God. I, that can't be true. It is true. He's saying, it is true. In Jesus' name. God is saying, there's somebody that's saying, well, I, I, I can't hear the word of God. I, I'm, I'm too, maybe it's a similar thing to what you're saying, Beverly. I can't hear the word of God. I'm just... I just don't know how to hear the word of God. Listen, this is a word of wisdom for you. You listen to the sermons of this week, last week, and the week before, and you keep listening to those. God will begin to speak to you. He will begin. He will reveal himself to you. And I also hear the Holy Spirit saying, some people, ah, thank you. Here is a word of wisdom from the Holy Spirit from you, a prophetic word of wisdom for some people here today and that are watching this. And this is it. He says, you need to have the spirit of Elijah to hear my voice. And some of you are trying to hear a storm, a wind. Like Elijah, when there was a big storm, he went out and he, know, and he discerned that God was not in the storm. And then a fire, he discerned that God was not in the fire. And, he's, and God is saying that some of us are looking for the sensational when God is the supernatural. So some people are waiting for this big sensational voice of God. And God's saying, I'm not in the big sensational storms or fires. Sensationalism is not supernatural. But God, when, when Elijah came out for a life-changing word, it was in the stillness. It was so still. And Elijah discerned that God was in the stillness. and took his mantle. He went outside and he heard the word of the Lord. Don't expect some sort of lightning flash thunderclap. If it happens, praise the Lord. But some of you just need to still your heart. And as Beverly was saying, God will speak to you like Elijah. The thought, he'll speak to you. It'll come. It'll come. He'll speak to you. Sometimes in a whisper. Let's all stand to our feet. We're going to, the ministry team are going to the front. We're going to pray for any needs that you have. If you, if someone gave a word, you don't have to go to the particular person, but you want to ask prayer for that word or a situation, now's your time. If you need to leave, you're, you're very welcome to leave at this point. If you want to stay, we're, we're going to be here for the next 15 minutes worshiping the Lord. Maybe God will speak to you right where you are in worship in the next 15 minutes. Uh, these next 15 minutes might be the time you need just for God to clarify some things in your mind and your heart and your life. Or maybe you need prayer, but take this word with you and, and may God's promises strengthen you and direct you in the coming week.